Hey, welcome to the Your Mom Has a Blog.com. Oops. Your Mom Has a Blog. Hold on. Let me try it again. Hello, and welcome to the Your Mom Has a Blog podcast. I'm Chad Edgington. And I'm Melissa Edgington. It's good to be with you. It's, I'm, I'm rusty because we haven't had a pod. We've skipped a week. You, you you can't ever seem to remember what this podcast is called. Yeah. I always want to say Your Mom Has a Blog.com. Can I help you? <laughs> Can help you. Okay. Well, we we haven't had a podcast in a while because we had spring break. Whee! Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. We we spring broke, and it was fun. That was last week, and now everybody yeah, else is everybody on spring else break. Is, it's weird. Did, did, did anyone ever offer an explanation as to why Olney has spring break a year? I mean, you mean a, a week. Yeah. We, uh, we go ahead and do our spring break last year. <laughs> <laughs> a week a week we were a week ahead of everybody else so if we were going to disney world that would have been great yeah but we weren't no but we did go somewhere we did we did have fun so um you want to tell about the conference we went to southwestern seminary in so, fort worth to, and what was this conference tell the people it was called <laughs> It was called Text Driven Preaching Conference. So, <clears throat> so how did how did um, you know the preacher's wife wind up at the Text Driven Preaching Conference? That's the question. I think it's because the preacher's wife is married to a preacher mm-hmm. who doesn't mind having his wife at a conference for men. Yeah. Yeah, it's so much, you know, I'll just say this. It's so much better to go to a conference with your wife than some dude. You know? (laughs) I mean, I don't like going on things where I have to use the bathroom in a room I'm sharing with other people. When, like, you're my bathroom... Buddy. Buddy. (laughs) Yeah. So you can go on a conference with your bathroom buddy... And it takes all the awkwardness out of bowel movements. Uh, right? Yeah. I mean, you shouldn't comment on that. It's not ladylike. <laughs> I'm just saying as a pastor. Well, I'll just know. clarify that we do have a closed-door policy. No, we, we have a closed-door policy. There's some things, even in marriage, that should just be private. I really believe that. I think you should maintain yeah. some mystery in marriage. I yeah. Think it, I, think I happily helps. maintain that mystery. Yeah. Yeah. So we I'm went, happy you maintain that mystery. <laughs> Although you barge in a lot. Well, well, let's not get into that. I don't ever barge in. It's because when you're in there, you're in there for a long time, <laughs> and there are things that must be fetched from the bathroom while you're in yeah, there. Yeah, so you, once you start a chapter, <laughs> you got to finish the chapter. Anyway. I have noticed. You know, men are interesting creatures. <laughs> I have noticed that any time that I want the kids to clean the house that Sawyer suddenly Has needs to use the bathroom <laughs> yeah. and then he goes and hides out in the bathroom and reads yeah, for it takes a few books 30 minutes. And, yeah some yeah. snacks with him and goes and uses the bathroom so anyway we went we went to the conference and um, I had asked another friend of mine to go Andy who listens to the, a faithful listener to the podcast Andy Rogers I'd asked Andy if he wanted to go and uh, he said 
he had a lot of baseball and, and other things that he had to do, so he couldn't go. And I thought, well, I wonder who would want to go in this conference with me. So so are you telling our audience about how I was your second choice to go to the conference? Well, it just didn't dawn on me that you would want to go, but I thought, well, Melissa, you know, is a speaker, and Melissa listens to a lot of sermons. You helped me get my sermons together, you know, and I thought, when I, when I when I considered it, I thought, well, there'll probably be a bunch of guys that'll have their wives there. Yeah. I, I thought that. Yeah. Because when I've gone to other conferences at the seminary, they've been music conferences, and they did, like, guys were there with their wives, and they were listening to music, and, you know, everyone was singing. Yeah. But this was really different. And, and some of the, there, I don't, I think there may have been one other or two other women that we saw even at the conference right. that were attending it. In some of the conference sessions, Melissa was the only female in the room, which I think was kind of cool, actually. Didn't you think? Yeah, I didn't really feel awkward about it. Yeah. Everybody was really nice. There was one old guy that gave her a chair. I did feel bad about that because mm -hmm. I, I thought, well, we were in a, we were in a session that the room was too small mm -hmm. for the amount of people who showed up. So by the time Chad and I got in there, there were no seats. All these people were standing or sitting on the floor. And so we just came in and found a spot on the floor right as they were praying before they started. And right as that prayer was over, this white-haired pastor. Now, mind you, there were probably 200 men under the age of 40 in there. Yeah, who could have easily sat on the floor. Yeah. But this white-haired pastor stood up and he said, Ma'am, you sit right here in my seat. He was on the front row. Mm -hmm. And I tried to refuse him because I felt bad because I thought he's probably thinking, gall dang, there's a woman in here. Who brought his wife and to this I'm thing? And now I'm going to have to stand up. Yeah. But he was so sweet. And thankfully, they did bring in some more chairs and he had a seat too. He had a seat down there. But I was so appreciative of that. I Chivalry is not dead. Yeah. That at was... least among the white-haired men. <laughs> None of the young guys seemed yeah, they to didn't be care. worried about well, it. She could sit on the floor. <laughs> She's a woman. We're preachers. No. But, you know, I, I really felt like that a lot of those young pastors should have gotten up and let the white-haired men sit down. Right. But I, I felt that I, I felt it was a great benefit to have you there getting that training with me so we can evaluate sermons, ideas for sermons. It's a good idea. I mean, I'm... Uh, you know, it's a team effort sometimes on these sermons. You need to get more than one person's perspective on what you're going to preach. I think more pastors should take their wives to conferences like that because I think that a lot of men would just assume that their wife wouldn't be interested in that. Or just in any profession, really, I think men would assume, oh, my wife doesn't want to hear about work or she doesn't want to know mm -hmm. what I really mm -hmm. do, you know, or something. And it's a shame because... I think that it, it really breeds intimacy whenever, you know, the more you understand about your spouse's life, mm -hmm. the closer that you are and the more you can empathize with each other. And I thought it was great fun. I loved it. I learned a ton, too. Yeah, it was. And then you kind of wrote a blog about it, about how, I guess, the teaching at the conference really struck you as, um, I don't know, rich or deep and, and maybe more focused on um, or less focused you know we didn't go in there and, and they didn't go in and try to make us feel like a million bucks they just it was just kind of down to business right right and and that 
so what what was different about this conference as opposed to women's conferences that you kind of wrote about? Well, you know, it probably has to do with the type of women's conferences that I've been to. I know that there are different types of women's conferences, but I'm talking about the really large, you know, major conferences that you go to. It just seems like the message is is a lot about, you know, hey, you're doing great, you know, just keep going. You're beautiful and God loves you. And, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on maybe self-image mm-hmm. or, or your sense of worth, which I think there's a place for that. But there's a lot less emphasis on actual study of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And there's ne- I've never been to a women's conference where there were breakout sessions that taught you how to study scripture or how to break down a passage, you know, when you're reading it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. All of the breakout sessions are more about interpersonal types mm-hmm. of things mm-hmm. and not so much about, you know, um, I don't know, the practical points of learning who God is and searching his word, you know, for truth. Yeah, which a lot, you know, that's opens uh, opens up the your eyes to what preaching is when you go to something like that and you th- you kind of step back and think about it. Really, a, a big chunk of what preaching is is studying the Bible so you know what it means. Right. I mean, the idea is you you read the text, you exp- then your job as a preacher is to explain the text. And so there's ways that you can learn. It's just a lot of it's a Bible study. I don't think there was, they didn't stand up there and say, okay, now when you get up there, stand like this or raise your voice like this. It was mainly just a, how to study the, how to study the Bible so you can prepare your sermons. Yeah. And I I think that, and a lot of women's Bible studies and things like that, the attitude is more, Hey, you know, you're doing good just to read this, Mm -hmm. you know, read this. And then, um, whatever meaning that you get out of it is a good thing, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of teaching women, this actually means a specific thing that the writer intended for it to mean. Mm -hmm. And we need to learn how to figure out what that thing is, Mm -hmm. the, the, the intended message of it, not just what it reminds us of or how it makes us feel. Mm-hmm. Right, and and I never have been to a women's conference, so I don't know what they do there. But um, I think a lot of the so woman, I think a woman would say, "Well, I like those kind of conferences," and I think those conferences are probably good. I think women and men are different and have different needs, but it was good. I th- I think there's some value in even if you say, "Well, I'm not a preacher." So I don't need to go to a preaching conference, but you know, you hear a lot of sermons and, and didn't that, so what we did, we were learning things and then we were listening to people preach. And after you'd learned how a sermon should be, when you hear it, you're able to more or less evaluate, evaluate the sermon and you can discern this is good preaching. And this is maybe this is a little bit, you know, this is not, this is preaching that's not focused on the text. Right, and I think that the neat thing about that conference was that all of the sermons we heard except for one, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, we really could see how they were demonstrating Mm -hmm. what they had been teaching Mm -hmm. about how to exposit, you know, a 
a section of scripture. And then there was the the pre-session or the pre-conference. We got there early on Monday to hear a professor who's also a dermatologist, which that's just one of those weird things, right? Um, named Abraham Curavilla. And he just blew our minds, didn't he? It was so just smart. so smart. He can get his book. That's called Privilege the Text. And I haven't bought it yet, but I, I intended to do that today. But it's really uh, just super and... Um, we enjoy, thoroughly enjoyed it, so good job to Southwestern Seminary for putting on that conference, and maybe there'll be more guys that, encouraged by your presence they can take their wife next year, but we probably won't be there. So, Why not? I don't, I mean, it just seems like, why would you go twice? I mean, I would like to go, but how, what are the chances it would work out again? Spring, it was spring break, and it was a great vacation from our kids. <sighs> that was awesome. <laughs> you know. I don't know if you're allowed to say things like that. Yeah, but it was it was it was awesome. It's always nice, you know, to occasionally. And that was nice of the church. The shove your kids yeah. off on your parents. You, you and... Just go <laughs> with the church credit card. Be like, let's get some taco cabana, y'all. <laughs> I, my taco cabana experience was not it wasn't, good. It wasn't good. I don't know. You know. You know how sometimes you go into a restaurant and it's just from start to finish. It seems yeah. like it's just bad news. Yeah. That was my experience that night. That's a lot of experiences that you have in the Metroplex eating. It's just like gross there, and their WalMarts are disgusting. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Like the kind Fort of, Worth and Arlington early. Yeah. It's like golly, clean up a little bit in here. So if anybody's at Walmart corporate, we're not impressed. <laughs> But the Walmarts in Wichita Falls and Graham are nice. They're so clean. Yeah. I know. And, you know, I've, I've got to say uh, just a shout out to those listening in Olney proper. We are really pleased with our, our, we've seen a big turnaround in our Dollar General. We really have. Yeah, it was looking like a Metroplex Walmart for a while there, for like three years. <laughs> and they got a new manager in. I mean, this guy's, you know, he's doing his he's doing his part. He's getting that store clean. and Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. And I'm really thankful because I did not want them to shut down our dollar store. I depend on that place. Yeah, we need it. We go there all the time. Yeah. We're, we're real regulars, DG yeah. regulars. Dollar General. Dollar General. We like it. We, well, you so. know, in Olney, it's, we have a grocery store. We have a dollar store. And then we have we have some neat little shops too, mm-hmm. but as far as you know, getting um, toothpaste, yeah, it's nice to have that, a Dollar General. That and stays a grocery open store. till ten, and yeah. our groceries is open till eight. So that's uh, you know we make a lot of late night runs for medicine and things like that for food. So uh, it's really good, convenient. It's a great town. We live in a great place. I know you sh- you're probably jealous. You should be. If you aren't, you ought to be. Yeah, you ought to be. <laughs> I wasn't born in Olney, but I got here as fast as I could, Melissa. <laughs> it only took you till you were 40. Yeah, it took us 40. Was I 40 or 39? I guess I was 39. You right? must have been a young, young, young 39. Yeah, young 39. 39 is so young. So, it's crazy. So, it's so young, yeah. 39, How old are you? it's yeah, just, <laughs> oh, I'm, wait, I'm 39. Oh, that is so young. You it's have, so yeah. young. My goodness. Well, you're going to cry in August. Practically like a baby. Yeah. I guess I should say July. That's your birthday, not August. (laughs) (laughs) It's almost August. Almost August, August. yeah. So anyway, uh, T-ball season has arrived. We've We've been out of the baseball, softball thing for a while. The kids don't like to play. 
but the little one decided she wanted to play t-ball. Yeah. So the four-year-old suited up. What's what's their team? Are they the Cardinals? The Cardinals. Or the Cardinals? Yeah. She's got white white little baseball pants, and she's got a little little Rawlings glove. It's and, pretty uh, cute. Yeah, she runs flat-footed. I discovered that. But she's she, only four. Yeah, she's pretty fast still. Uh, so they've been practicing. She can hit the ball off the tee. Yeah. I'm pretty impressed with that. Well, she's doing better. So we'll see how T-ball goes. Um, it's cute. It is, you know, it the, is cute. At the first practice, her little best friend is on her T-ball team, and they had to tell them that they could not run bases holding hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so no skipping. Because I, I coach the girls' basketball team, you know, and that, that's a big deal. Like, I, I've had several girls whose just default mode when they run down the court is to skip. Really? In yeah, basketball? Yes. Yeah, so like, you have to, like, the first practices and games, like, quit skipping, run. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. <laughs> just get that rebound and skip back down the court. If like, they're skipping, then you know they're having fun. Like skipping basketball might be kind of fun. You can't you can't skip and be depressed <laughs> at the same time. We should make that a game next time we play. <laughs> like get a full court at the refuge. Only skipping allowed. Only the only way you can run is if you skip. <laughs> that's that's a great like the, idea. The image of it is funny. Like thinking of the guys in our like the guy like Jody and those guys in our Sunday school class skip, skipping you know, skipping up and down the court. Ooh, we gotta try that. So that was good. And then we had, um, I don't know how many of y'all are out there and more, I'd say we we have a pretty traditional church, but, uh, one of the programs that seemed to fall, to have fallen, uh, into, um, obscurity or I don't even know what the word would be. No one does it anymore. Is that the word? (laughs) This is something that's fallen into no one does it anymore category. And that's Bible drill, you know, um, but our church, we, we have a faithful member who teaches the kids Bible drill, drill every week, and they had their church drill. Well, kid, you need to explain what Bible drill is. For those is who don't know. Is that just a Baptist thing? I, I think it is. I, I've never heard of another church doing Bible drill besides Baptist churches. So Bible drill is a, it's a competition where the kids learn, is it 20 verses? 20, 25 verses. They, they memorize 25 verses. 10 key passages. All the books of the Bible. Yeah. And um, then they have this very intense competition where they stand up in front of everyone. At and, attention. And they um, try to find all these verses in the Bible or they recite the verses by memory or they find books of the Bible and then they tell the book that came before it and the book that comes after it. It's very intense. Yeah. It's intense to sit out there and watch. You're just really like... And it's humbling to realize that it probably... You know, when they're at the height of their preparedness, that your kids know a lot more about the Bible than you, and you're the pastor. Yeah, I totally. You know, when I when I was helping them practice and I was quizzing them, yeah. at first I tried to, you know, just listen, you know, and try to figure out if it was right, and then I realized, um, yeah, I'm not sure if that's right or not. <laughs> get so my table of I had to get my cheat sheets out. Yeah. <laughs> But it's good. Anyway, it was fun. So by the, they, they go on three cycles, like three, there's a blue, red, green, and blue or something cycle. Each year is different. And so by the end of it, they've learned 75 verses. They've learned 30 key passages. They know all the books of the Bible. And it's a great, I mean, those kids that do Bible drill, they really have a foundation to, to study God's word. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, it's really neat. So, so anyway, we did our church drill and then our two oldest 
um, kids qualify, they're old enough to, and they did well enough to go to the associational drill. And then if they do well enough there, they get to go to the state drill. This is big time, y'all. Yeah. Bible drill. So we're, we're, we're practicing. We have two weeks to prepare to make sure she can have a drill and try to get to state. So this is Adelaide. For Adelaide. Sawyer did very well too, but third graders aren't old enough to advance. Right. So next year, that crop of third graders is going to be pretty impressive. So I'm sure that just bored everybody to death talking about what is Bible drill? What does that even mean? But my parents were there. Neither one of them had ever seen a Bible drill. And I think some of the parents of the kids had never seen one. Yeah. And they were just like, oh my gosh, this is nerve wracking. I'll tell you when it gets intense is when you move on to the associational drill and suddenly you meet up with all the homeschoolers. And they're good, huh? Oh boy, are they yeah, good. They're good. And we, we just don't have any any uh, skills to compete with our public schooling, do we? Well, they don't we, do Bible drill at all in the elementary. They get an extra nine hours every day to study. <laughs> <laughs> they can cram for Bible drill a few days. Yeah, that's good. But no, we'll 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 update you on the Bible drill saga. Last year we we went to regional and we just or associational, and just really were wiped out, right? Well, I did mean, they, they did. Good, they, they made they a good were, showing. It was respectable. They made a good respectable it just wasn't showing. High enough to okay. Make it, yeah. Okay. But I think this year's our year. We're going to okay. state. It's our last year. We better We're going go all the way. We're going all the way to state, y'all. Going to state's a big deal in Texas. You know, if you, if you, did you ever go to state in anything? Um, I was an alternate to state. For what? For UIL. Okay. We didn't have UIL. Our football team went to state one year, and we lost by the biggest margin of loss of any football team in the history of Texas high school <sighs> That's football. That's kind of sad. It was like 52 to eight or two or ten or something like that it was ridiculous that must have been a really good team that you played it was a really good team converse judson san antonio they killed us but i, w- I didn't play football i don't want y'all to get have, you know i was i played the tuba <laughs> yeah we probably did win halftime you could have played football if you went to a small school but you right. were at a huge high school it was a big so. school our band went to state when i was a sophomore and we went to Austin and played there. It was really cool. That's cool. So that was that was my going to state. Experience. I never I never went to state in anything, yeah. I guess, but I got to tag along with my best friend when she went to state in UIL. Oh yeah, well, that's probably better. No no pressure. No pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Uh, what else we got going on? Anything exciting? Hmm. Really hard to know. Life's not really got much time. You know, normally we write things down that we want to talk about, but you got any good blogs coming down the any exciting blogs in your mind ruminating? That we could get a sneak peek? I don't know. My blogs are just so, you know, spur of the moment. You just sit down and whatever comes to your mind? It's like a lightning bolt of inspiration that doesn't mm-hmm. come until the moment. I'll mention I'll mention something, a couple things. I mean, if you don't mind, if I talk about me for a minute. What else is new? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we we went down. I guess this is talking about us, but we there were some terrible um, grass fires in Texas over the. I guess it was over the weekend, or or I guess last week. Last week. Last week, and uh, we had weeks ago agreed to go to Breckenridge, Texas this Sunday night 
for a senior adult banquet for Andy's church, who he's the pastor of First Baptist Breckenridge. And they had just tragically, you know, one of those weird things, uh, the grass fires weren't anywhere near Breckenridge, but one of their faithful members was up there in the panhandle doing some ranch work and passed away in those, in those fires, uh, was killed in the fires. And the church was devastated, but Andy's, let's go on with it. We went down and did the senior adult banquet. And that was like, I'll have to say, I, I didn't know how it was going to turn out, you know? Yeah. We went down there, and you're, you're singing. It's, you never know what it's going to be like. You know, Melissa and I go sing, and Melissa's, I, is that the room where you spoke? Uh-huh. So you'd already spoken in there. Yeah. She did a women's event down there and spoke at it. But, you know, it's always weird singing in a gymnasium or a fellowship hall. I mean, there, you, you sing under fluorescent lights. You don't always have the best sound system or acoustics or whatever. You never know how it's going to go. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I really think maybe the Lord blessed that night because I felt like we performed or whatever you want to call it, presented, performed, whatever. Um you know, I think we were, we were loose when we might not have normally been that loose, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, felt kind of at ease with those people at the church who were really nice, nice group of senior adults and workers and the kitchen help and all that that was out there, the servers. Um, and it was a really great experience, didn't you think? Yeah, it was, it was, it was just a sweet night. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was, I'm always reminded whenever I go to other churches about how neat it is to think that, you know, the family of God is big. Mm-hmm. And anywhere you go, you know, you even said it that night, you know, it's like when you walk into a room like that, there's an instant connection because mm-hmm. you all you have a heart connection yeah. with other believers. Yeah, even across generations. I think once we kind of got into their into their wheelhouse and sang some, I mean, we sang some, I was thinking about it. We sang some really old songs. Like that suppertime song is old, yeah. you know? And I think when you can show them that you value what they value, they're quicker to value what you value. Mm-hmm. Which I think, you know, we, in our churches, we're pretty quick to leave people behind and leave traditions behind and leave certain things behind. I know that we're, we are of the Southern Baptist tribe, you know, and uh, there's a culture of Southern Baptists. I was reading an article today. So we used to have a real tight culture, you know, even more so 30 years ago, you could walk into probably First Baptist Breckenridge or First Baptist Olney or First Baptist Graham or First Baptist Gorman or wherever you were. And everybody's singing the songs out of the same book. Yeah. The service, the, the preachers all had, I mean, as when I was growing up, every preacher used at least one can of hairspray. For Sunday. <laughs> Those dudes had hair back then, didn't they? Do you remember that? Like, and if With an, the sideburns and the tall hair. Yeah, like and if an evangelist ever came, it was like, oh my goodness, I got to hear what this guy's got to say. Look at his hair. <laughs> Just on hair alone, they could entice you to listen to their message. I'm sure many a folk responded to a gospel call falsely. Just, but it was all hair, you know. No conviction. We can't resist the I hair. can't resist the hair. I've got to go down. I've got to raise my hand. That every head bowed, every eye, eye closed. I can smell that aquanet. I got to raise my hand. I got. I need to get saved. <laughs> False conversion. Yeah, they use aquanet, but they did not enter the kingdom. But, I don't know. But you know, there was there was a lot of uh, 
there was there was a culture. That culture is still there. I mean, I read through today that article was talking about the demise of that Southern Baptist culture, but I think it's there. I think there's some things in that culture worth abandoning, but I think there's a lot there that's worth preserving. Mm-hmm. That sweetness and that um, I don't know. This is, it was a really. I'm just grateful that Andy invited us down there, and we were really blessed. I hope they the church in Breckenridge was blessed that's a uh t- a town old old town uh that is located about an hour 15 minutes or so from our our town it's a little bit bigger than Olney. um actually it's quite a bit larger than Olney, and their church is magnificent uh, beautiful uh, we enjoyed touring touring that uh sanctuary old sanctuary they've got their original 1922 sanctuary and they've redone it with a nice uh, remodel it was neat to be there, you know, on the heels of the tragedy that they had experienced yeah. because it felt a little bit more like we were coming there to minister to minister them, to yeah. them. In, their, in their need. And um, I don't know, that made it kind of special. Yeah, we a, laughed and we cried. Yeah, it was a neat night. So that was that was really cool. And there was one other thing I was going to mention. And I had two things I was going to talk about. Well, I've, I've completely blanked. Talk about Breckenridge. What is it? Any other big thing happened recently? Oh, I was going to talk about that funeral I did Saturday. Mm. And, you know, to be sensitive to the to the thing, I would just say um, it was a really remarkable story of how the man passed away. And just to sort of leave you with a devotional thought, then we can close, right? Because we wanted to keep it around 30 minutes. We're going to go a little short today for your morning commute. Um, so we'll wrap it up with this. But I I went to the funeral home and met with the family. They were nice, and and I said, well, how did he how did he die? You know, was he sick or well, he had some tr- health problems, and so he was going to come live with us. Is what they said. He's going to come live at our house. And they live in a town about two hours away. <clears throat> so he was preparing to move into his his daughter and son in law's house. So he went around on Friday. Uh, last Friday, he went around to the telephone company, and he went in, and a woman that goes to our church told me he came in and canceled his his uh, account and closed it out. Went to the electric company, did the same thing. Went all around town and, and canceled all of his utilities and went out and to- knocked on his neighbor's doors and told him he was leaving, said, I'm, I'm leaving, uh, so you won't see him anymore, and you know so on, and kind of made some lighthearted jokes about the fact that he was abandoning them or, or so on. And then uh, he had packed up everything that he wanted to take with him. And he put it in two big plastic containers and packed his bags. Went and laid down that Friday night and died. And, uh, you know, we think, you know, w- we so often think we're on one journey. And we don't realize how quickly God can send us on another journey. Mm-hmm. You know, life is short. Life is um, brief. It's in many ways unpredictable. We try to be in control of it, but uh, there's. I think whenever we, whenever we are are confronted with tragedy and tragedy, that's not a word. (laughs) Tragedy. I don't know what that is. I was trying to be really. I was trying to like really be serious. You know, when there's tragedy. (laughs) 
<laughs> I had a fifth grade teacher who would always add extra consonants to words. Like, it was like, so how's weird. That like that, like tragedy. Like she would say something like this. Just as an example, um, we're going to do less than five. Today. <laughs> less than five. <laughs> Well, anyway, I meant tragedy. When there's a tragedy, when there's so much tragedy around us, you think, "Golly, we're we need to be grateful for for what you know, what every day, and and not take so much for granted, and and really um, just be more mindful of of that fact that we're not in control, and and I think that keeps our minds in a more spiritual vein than just wandering off because we're bored or we're we're not focused on what's true. So I thought that was interesting Saturday to uh, to do that. Was a, I did not know the man. I wind up doing funerals for people I don't know all the time. But um, interesting, uh, interesting the way that happened. Uh, probably I'll tell that story a lot. Mm-hmm. This is such, such an interesting story. It is. All right, well, 33 minutes in. Good job. What, what was the thing we were laughing at so hard? The other the other night oh the big pencils <laughs> I was I was like we had another funny moment so the what that kids was. bought these enormous pencils I'm sure we've all had these pencils it was Valentine's Day clearance you know the gigantic like, like two, two feet two foot long, long big old fat thick, pencils yeah. <laughs> and two foot long fat pencils we always have a shortage of writing utensils in our house like when you really <laughs> need something to write down like all you can find is a broken pencil. Or yeah. a, or a marker, <laughs> or like, like I, need, I need I need something. It's like it's like a jumbo sharpie. That's all you can find to yeah. write with. So the other night I was we were making, making our, we were making our set list for the show. Yeah, so I <laughs> I was making my my suggestion for the set list in there. <laughs> so she walks in with her pad and her big pencil. I handed him the set list, and he was going to make a change to it. And he turned around, and he <laughs> I grabbed my giant. White he had a giant pencil. pencil. <laughs> so there we were, our giant pencils. <laughs> that was a good moment. Oh, that's how you know you're a parent yeah. when all you can find to write with is a two foot long fat pencil <laughs> with hearts all over it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, on that note. We will see you next week, or we'll talk to you next week. So have a great day. Thanks for listening. Talk to y'all later. Bye-bye.